I would also like to extend a Merry Christmas to each of you and to those who are with us online this evening. We're so glad that you are joining us as well and worshiping the Lord on this very special evening, on the occasion for us to consider the name of Jesus, to consider the birth of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel. As we come into Christmas Eve 2020, I know that we look back and we reflect upon a year that, uh, that really none of us could have predicted, right? In fact, there are a lot of different things that we've learned. In fact, there's even been uh, some words that have been introduced to our vocabulary this year that we had not used in previous years. How many times had we found ourselves talking about things like a pandemic or a coronavirus or social distancing? I remember the first time I heard that phrase, I, I had to go look it up. What, what is social distancing or flatten the curve. We've had all of these new things that we've, that we've heard, new words for our vocabulary. I'm sure that we will never forget what 2020 was all about. In fact, there have been some who have decided that they would craft a specific Christmas ornament just to make sure that we don't forget about 2020. I don't know. Maybe you have this or have seen it. I, I think it's called something like Dumpster Fire 2020 or something like that. I don't know. Has anybody got that out there? Okay. I, I, I saw another picture of it even, that it even lights up. So um, if you'd like to pick one up on your way out this evening, well, no, we don't have those available for you. I, I'm doing all I can to try to forget about 2020. I'm not going to give you something to try to uh, help you remember what all has happened. In fact, it's not just words, it's also experiences. How many of us have ever been on a lockdown before or a shelter in place, a quarantine? How many of us have ever had things like uh, virtual learning or virtual worship? or um, all of the, 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 the Zoom meetings and all the different things that, that have been experiences for us that we had not experienced in previous years. Maybe for some, it's not just those experiences, but maybe it's some emotions that we didn't see coming. Who would have thought going into 2020 with all the clever uh, phrases that we gave about how we'll 20, we see the future with 2020 vision, all these kinds of things, and then we realized by March that we really didn't see what was coming, and then it was fear, maybe anxiety or depression. For some, this has been a very isolating and lonely year. And so we think of all of these emotions, and maybe the one that we're feeling at the end of the year is something like, I long to return to what was normal. You know, you're probably feeling, can we just get past this and get back to what we used to know? What am I trying to say today in the message for Christmas Eve 2020? It's this. I want us to hold on to what we know is true about the one whose birth we celebrate. Because even if this world has changed, and this world has experienced turmoil and unpredictability and all of the things that we have seen unfold. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ has not changed, that he is true, he is faithful, and that he is our hope as we live in an uncertain world. Let us be reminded that God is faithful, that we are not alone. He understands the difficulties that we face. And in fact, he is not a detached God who is far away. What we are going to see here in just a moment as we turn to the book of Matthew is we're going to see that he's not a detached God, but that he is a God who has chosen to draw near. He's going to come near to us and provide 
for the needs of our souls. This Advent season, we have been spending time in Matthew chapter 1. I invite your attention there as well. As we take just a few verses to reflect upon the birth of Jesus Christ this evening, let it help prepare our hearts and minds to receive the Lord's Supper as well. For in just a few minutes, we will, we will open up the elements that are contained in, the, uh, in these little packages, the bread and the cup. And so may we be mindful of the body of Jesus Christ, of his life, and why it was that he came. Let's look together in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to see that this was indeed no ordinary birth. Verse 21, she will, she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And then Matthew quotes the prophet Isaiah. See, the virgin will become pregnant and will give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Let me just say those words again. In the midst of 2020, in all that we have experienced and all that we have seen and all that we do not know yet is even ahead for us, what we do know is that God is with us. And those words can make all the difference for us as a, as a church family, individually. For your family tonight, those words, God is with us. There may not be any more important words that could be shared. We do not have to go through this world alone. The difficulties of this life, we can, we can, we can see them through with the presence of God. That's what Christmas reminds us of, that God has come. I want us to think about the meaning of that word, Emmanuel, God is with us. Let me briefly give you three ways we can think of it. The first one is God with us means that promises are fulfilled. And we see that in verses 22 and 23 as Matthew quotes the ancient prophet Isaiah. Think about this. He is connecting the dots from the birth of Jesus Christ to a prophecy that was given 700 years before Jesus would come. 700 years. These prophecies were given so that when the promised Messiah would come, he would be recognized. There were prophecies about how he would be born. In fact, even prophecies about where he would be born. And all of that would, would, be, would be considered as a way to affirm that he indeed is the Messiah, the one who has come to rescue us and to bring salvation to this world. We see these prophecies about the, the birth of Christ are, are, are familiar to us. We, we think about them. We consider them. But, you know, really prophecies could be considered under a larger heading of promises. And when we think that God has given a prophecy and he's fulfilled it, we can also consider that God has given a promise that we can hold on to. So I would like to ask you tonight, what are some of those promises that right here, December the 24th, 2020, a promise of God that we can hold on to? Because if God is one who fulfills his prophecies, we know that he's also a God who keeps his promises. 
Let me just offer a few of, of them for you tonight. The first one is Isaiah 41.10. And as I read this verse, I'd like to ask you, count how many promises are in this verse alone. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Look at all that's in there. He's saying, I am with you. I am your God. I will give you strength. I will give you help. I will hold on to you. These are the promises of God that we can hold on to as we navigate an uncertain world. Look at Philippians 4.19. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We are reminded that, that we have a providential God, one who wants to, to give what is needed. In fact, even Jesus would speak on this in the great Sermon on the Mount. I like also what is written in, Rom, in Romans chapter 8, when it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful promise? There is no guilt. There is no shame. For those in Christ, there is no condemnation. In fact, Romans 8 is a beautiful chapter filled with promises of God, such as these about his love. Look at verse 35. Who can separate us from the love of God? And does verse 35 sound a little bit like the year we've experienced? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? It's a question asking us, can any of these things separate us from God's love? Verse 37, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And when the Bible speaks of God's love, it's not speaking just of, of a feeling or an emotion. It's, it's speaking of a commitment that God has towards us. Maybe someone who's here tonight or someone watching online, maybe you need the reminder tonight that God loves you, that God cares for you, that God has promises for you that you can hold on to and that can give you encouragement in this year. Yes, we do this Christmas remember the birth of Emmanuel. But let us remember that God with us means that promises are fulfilled, past, present, and future. Secondly, God with us means a relationship is pursued. And if you look again at verse 23, it comes out just in the meaning of the world of the word, Emmanuel. It means God with us, that God wants to be right here among us and have a personal relationship with us. It's not just that he has created us and then has removed himself. He wants to be very near to us. In fact, he created us in his image. He created us with a soul, and each of us have a longing for that soul to be connected with our creator. So many people try to fill that emptiness with other things. In fact, I heard years ago a theologian say that within each person there is a, is a blank or a void. He called it a God-shaped blank. And if we try to fill it with something that is other than him, it just doesn't fit. And so Christmas reminds us that God has provided 
that God has, has come and that he has come to fill that void, to fill that emptiness with a relationship with him. Just think about it. Going all the way back to the book of Genesis, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, all the way back to the time in which God created Adam and Eve. What did he want? He wanted to know them. And they heard from him. There was, there was, there was a relationship. As we see the, the Bible unfold and we get into the book of Exodus, we see that God has a people that he's, that he's leading and that he's providing for. And we know that, that the people of Israel are going through this, this season of, a, of a, a wandering in the desert. And, and God wants to be near them. And he says in Exodus 25, they are to make a sanctuary for me so that, why? I may dwell among them. To dwell among them. God created us. He loves us. And he wants to dwell with us. We see that throughout throughout all of Scripture, that God has come. Now, sometimes we hear different religions that have, that have instruction on how someone can, can know a certain thing about how to find God, but yet in the Bible, we see something different than that. We see a God that has come to find us, and that's why he came as a baby. That's why he came as a, as a human. That's why he came to speak and to teach. And, and Jesus would even say things like, if there are a hundred sheep and we have the 99 and there's one that is, that is astray, I will go after that one. Those are the links that he has demonstrated for us so that we can know that he wants to have a relationship with us. You say, why is that so important? Well, it's, it's what we see not only throughout the pages of Scripture in the Old Testament, but what do we see in the opening chapter of the New Testament? Right here in Matthew chapter 1, we see this idea of God being with us. And what do we see in the very last chapter of Matthew's gospel? As Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, and he, he tells his disciples, his followers, that they should take the, the, uh, the good news and make sure that others have an opportunity to hear. And he says at the very end of that, remember, I am what? With you always to the very end of the age. You see, just as we can look at the prophecies and see that God's a promise keeper, we can also look at these verses that show that he wants to have a personal relationship with us. And we can see it's part of his character. It's part of who he is. And in fact, it's not just something that, that we have for, for the experience on earth. It's also an eternal promise. And I tell you what, when we stare at things like life and death long enough and we think about them, those promises really begin to resonate. For some of us, this has been a year where, where we've said goodbye to people that we care about. In fact, this week, we, our family experienced two losses. We, we lost my aunt on Sunday, and then my wife lost one of her uncles on uh, just, just yesterday. And, and so it's, it's in those situations where we, we look for promises from God about, about, about how to make it through those times, but also those promises that speak to what's beyond this world. And in, in the case of my aunt and, and my wife's uncle, they were, they were followers of Christ. They were in him. And so, so I'm, I'm reminded of, of, of the fact that God had prepared something for them beyond this world. 
And in fact, it's not just about what, what is there, it's also about who is there. Revelation 21, then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. And look at how this, this culminates in verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Friends, I don't know what the future holds in terms of 2020 and 2021 and pandemics and all of that, but I will tell you something. There will be a day when all of these things will indeed pass away, and we will live in the presence of our God, and He will have provided all of these things that we just read about. So yes, we do have hope, and we know that we've been created to know Him. Our souls long for Him, and I pray that tonight, even as we draw near to Him with communion and with songs and with praying, that it can be a time for us to truly commune with our Heavenly Father because that's what He desires. He desires to know us. That is why the birth of Jesus proclaims Emmanuel. God is with us. Third and final point is this. God with us means salvation is offered. We see it there in verse 21. Right here at the, at, in the birth narrative, we are told that sin will be dealt with. And we might think of that typically in the context of the cross, not the manger. But even at the birth, Matthew is saying, the angel of the Lord is telling us that he has come to provide salvation, to save people from their sins. Sin is a disease that destroys. Sin is a chain that holds one in bondage. Sin is a curse that damages everything that is in its grasp. And beyond that, sin is a barrier that keeps us away from God. It keeps us apart from that relationship that we have been created for. So let me say it this way. Sin is the problem. Christmas is the solution. Emmanuel, God is with us. Thanks be to God for sending us a Savior who would save his people from their sins. Verse 21. Through this salvation, we can be set free from the bondage. We can be healed from the effects of the soul-destroying disease, and we can be united with our Creator through His Son, Jesus. In fact, the, the manger announced His arrival, and this cross declares His victory. When we first decorated the sanctuary for Christmas this year, I had a church member come up to me and say, I really am noticing how this large curtain or veil on each side of the cross reminds me of what we hear in the Easter story, of what we hear about the curtain. You see, there was a curtain in the temple, and it covered a place that was called the Holy of Holies. And that place is where the presence of God dwelt, and people were not allowed to go in. Why is that? Because we're sinners. We couldn't approach the Holy of Holies. 
It was dangerous. In fact, one time a year, the high priest would go behind the curtain and offer a sacrifice. But if his heart wasn't right and he wasn't prepared to do that, do you know what could happen? He could die. Do you know what they did? They tied a rope around the waist of the high priest. I kid you not. And they let him go back behind that veil. And if he, if he came out alive, great. If he didn't, they were pulling him out. No one could go in after him. That, that curtain was a constant reminder that God was holy. That curtain was a reminder that sin had separated humanity from God. In fact, that curtain was a warning sign that basically said, keep out. Danger. You can't approach. But then something happened. Something happened on that day that Jesus died on the cross because he was paying the penalty. He was becoming that sacrifice, the Lamb of God, taking away the sins of the world. And at the moment of his death, do you remember one of the miracles that happened? What happened to that curtain? Torn in two from the top to the bottom. It was a miracle. It was as if the cross was doing the work to open up the place where we could approach God. And it was no longer a keep out sign. It was a welcome sign. Come in. Come in. The price has been paid. The healing is being offered. The question for you and for me is if Christ did this work, and we see what he accomplished from the manger to the cross to the empty grave. If he has provided this free gift of salvation, have we received it? You see, someone could leave a gift sitting at the tree tomorrow. A beautifully wrapped, maybe even an expensive gift, and just leave it sitting there. Or you can take it up and you can receive that gift. That's what God has done. He has made it available. Salvation has been offered to you. He's fulfilled his promises. He has desperately wanted a relationship with you and has even said, I offer salvation. That is what we see in the name Emmanuel. And it all began at the birth where he is named Emmanuel, God with us. With that in mind, I want us to consider again the life of Jesus Christ. We have these communion elements that you received on your way in. It's not quite the same as passing all the trays and, and all the things that we would do in a normal year, but it will suffice. And if you can carefully take off the top cellophane, um, I had a little problem in the 3 o'clock service. And there's some grape juice here on the table that reminds me of that. So if you can take just the top cellophane off first, you can get the little wafer. This bread reminds us of the body of Jesus. First came, was born, and just as Miss Linda was describing earlier, he was placed in a manger. But we know that that young baby grew. And as that baby grew, he, he was a teacher and a prophet. He was a king, but not an earthly king. 
He was a priest to make the way between humanity and God. He was one who laid down his life on the cross. And this cup reminds us of his suffering. It reminds us that he shed his blood. And as the Bible tells us, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And yet he did that. Jesus was not a sinner. He was dying on behalf of others, those who call out to him for salvation. So I'd like for us, before we receive these elements, to pray for them. They symbolize something that's precious to us, the life and the death of our Savior Jesus Christ. Would you bow with me as we pray? Our great God, we thank you that on this Christmas Eve, we can remember that miraculous birth of our Savior Jesus. But as we think about that little baby being born a virgin of the Virgin Mary, we know that it was miraculous. But we know that he was born for a purpose. And that was to at some point lay down his life. So we come now asking your blessing upon the bread and the cup. We pray that these symbols will allow us to reflect and remember the price, the high price that was paid so that we might live. God, bless this time of communion now. Help us as we seek to draw near to you. And thank you that you have made a way so that we can. If we pray this in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen.